UX Podcast Episode 130, Part 1 of 2. I can, I can talk about anything you want to talk about, and, and I can talk about things you don't want to talk about. I, I probably will. That's, that's what I do. Are you recording? You are recording. Okay. Hello, and welcome to UX Podcast. Balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And today we're bringing you our interview with Alan Cooper, the first part of a two-part interview. Alan Cooper, for those of you who don't know, he actually started out as a software developer in the 1960s and 70s. He's like the father of Visual Basic, which means he wrote the software that other people are writing software with. But then he went on to try and figure out who he was building for, and he authored some of the most notable books in our industry, like About Face and The Inmates Running the Asylum, subtitled Why High-Tech Products Drive Us Crazy and How to Restore the Sanity. He founded Cooper, uh, which is a leading interaction design consultancy, and created the goal-directed design methodology. I mean, he's, he's a legend in our industry. He's a legend. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, he gave this talk at UXLX. Yeah, he has. Mm. Alan hasn't done much public speaking mm. during the last mm. five years. Um, together with his wife Susan, they've been pulling back from the day-to-day operations of Cooper mm. and bought a farm in California called mm, yeah. Monkey Ranch. <laughs> and his closing keynote at uh, UX Lisbon uh, was called Ranch Stories. And we were taken on a journey through those five years of running a farm and how Alan had realized that the le- lessons of Farming had parallels with our world of design. Yeah, and and Alan's speech it was, it was his "I have a dream" speech, um, and and received a really standing nice. ovation lasting a couple of minutes mm. from the the five hundred UXers that were in the audience um, in Lisbon mm. that day. Yeah. Um, well, Alan then sat down to talk to us in room four the day after his talk. Um, and in this part one of our conversation, we get the backstory on how the presentation came about before he leads us into the harm a lack of control mechanisms in business can potentially cause. Let's listen to Alan Cooper. How does it feel today? You must have been getting a lot of positive energy from people mm. after your talk yesterday. How was that felt? You, you have to understand that I've been kind of conscientiously withdrawing from the public eye. Yeah. And, and so for the last half dozen years, I've really been saying no to speaking engagements. And, and it's, you know, the business world is changing. I was dissatisfied with it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to retire. And then I go, well, you know, maybe that's not going to happen. And, and, um, and I realized that I really needed to... I've been telling people at the company, at Cooper, this is where we have to go you guys do it. And it's become clear that the the kind of attention getting and vision setting that needs to be done is not something I'm going to be able to successfully delegate. I mean, there are a lot of intelligent, capable people at Cooper, but but that's the role that, that belongs to me. And so with, with, with some kind of resignation, I said, well, I really need to get out and really start waving the flag in the public again. And... Um, yeah, once you're a thinker, you don't stop thinking. Yeah, yeah, and you, you, you I mean, it's, it, it's the transition is the hard part. Doing it is is kind of fun, actually. But I have to say that, that six months ago, you know, Bruno, like he does every year, he says, "Will you come to UXLX?" And I've been saying no, and I finally said, "Okay, I'm going to do this." But I knew, 
that what I was going to do was I was going to talk about ethics. And so I started a talk on ethics, and it was boring as shit. I hated it. And then I said, uh, you know, how am I going to do this? You know, and it really was a problem. And, and, uh, and then I kind of came up with this idea that I was going to talk about the things I learned on the ranch as just talk about the food system. And then my wife came to me and she said, nobody gives a shit about food. <laughs> this is about the user interaction designers. <laughs> why, do you, why are you going to go and harangue them about food? <laughs> so, yeah, Alan Cooper walks in and he starts babbling about his farm. I know, yeah. I know. And, it's, and so it was like a whole other presentation. I had a bunch of pages of notes and just like trash that. <laughs> and I just went round and round. And, and, and so a couple of months ago, I ended up, I put together this, this presentation and it was basically it was like we're all doomed the world is trashed mm. and and i and i kind of did a, a mock-up presentation to some of the people at the some of my colleagues at cooper and they they listened patiently it's like watching a train wreck and they said <laughs> well don't give up alan <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! So I I ended up writing and rewriting this thing a half dozen times and throwing out uh, probably a, a, at least a hundred pages of, of of notes and text and 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 I I do two kinds of presentations. Mm-hmm. I do the live extemporaneous ones like everybody else did mm-hmm. which is you know where you where you have a you know you have 30 slides and each one has a topic and mm-hmm. you put the slide up and then you talk about it for a mm-hmm. minute and and I've done a million presentations like that and I could do that and in fact in the middle of this whole ordeal of trying to put this talk together I c- came up with a, a talk a whole new talk it's called um, it's called delivering delight and I delivered it in Aarhus two weeks ago. Okay. It was a huge oh, right. hit. It was mm-hmm. a very successful Denmark. good talk yeah. in Denmark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, at Internet Week Denmark, and and but it was just you know talking about you know the, the practice of design really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted this to be. A more serious thing, and and it's slowly, painstakingly, it was not uh, not easy for me to find this. Is I began to see that th- it was the interweaving of these two stories about about the fact that we in Silicon Valley, it's so easy t- for us to say, "Hey, I've got a good job. I'm I'm doing interaction design. I'm working." You know, I'm doing. I'm, we're working on this startup, and we're making this software, and 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 not thinking about the bigger implications of the fact that most of the software that people are working on is making is is allowing people who aren't our friends to extract money out of our collective pockets while not improving the world. Mm. You know, mm. and and it's like. Like Uber is a fabulous thing. Uber is a client of Cooper's. I love Uber. I'm a total convert. The taxi system in San Francisco is has been miserable since forever. Yeah. And Uber has given it the swift kick in the ass that it needs. Mm. But the fact is, is that the taxi system, while it was shitty, it at least is not a 
abusive of our society. Yeah. Mm. And Uber is coming in and taking over, but it, there's no restraint. And so it's being a good neighbor, a reasonably good neighbor now, because it's trying to win its place. Mm-hmm. Okay, but as soon as it destroys the taxi infrastructure, which it will within the next two years, then it's going to turn around and say, huh, we don't really have any competition. We own transit Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. We can do what we want. And they start tightening the screws because that's what business does. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's going to turn out that they're not our friends. Right now I love it because I can go anywhere I want, fast, easy, cheap, convenient. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, it's like dating somebody and thinking they're wonderful and then getting married to them and the day after the wedding, I smack you around. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that Uber is going to do that. What I'm saying is there's no structural restraint right. against Uber mm-hmm. for doing that. And will they do it? I don't know. But what I'm saying is it's our responsibility as the people who we are the ones who are designing and developing and deploying Mm. Uber-like software and its brethren. Mm. And what we have to do is we have to to do something about it. So that was how this talk came about. But as as I put the talk together, it began to, to scare me, you know, because number one, there's not a lot in it about interaction design. Mm. And number two... I can't really stand up and say, there's the enemy. You know, I can't, I can't stand up. I mean, I, ca- I can't criticize Uber. I mean, they're a client mm-hmm. and I'm in business. Mm-hmm. They're one of my clients and I want them to come back and hire me some more. So, I ca- I, you know, I can't, I can't say they're, they're, they're bad. You know, that's, you can't do that in the business world. What I want to say is I want us to be responsible together to create a better world. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that I didn't really know how that talk would go over. Mm-hmm. I have to say that 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 I was fully prepared for at the end of that talk yesterday for people to just be disgusted and to say, why didn't Alan talk about design? Mm-hmm. And I... I've I've just signed on to do a couple of other talks and I've said to them, they've said, what's your topic? And I said, well, I want to talk about ranch stories. And, but I'm prepared to call them up and say, wait a minute, I want to do Delivering Delight instead Mm -hmm. because that's the safe choice, you see. And this was the test. Mm. Mm. And I, I wasn't sure really how how it went over until the end and i and it was and i was pretty bowled over by the reaction to see everybody stand up yeah. and clap i i mean i i was I, about halfway through the talk i kind of went okay this is not a flop mm-hmm. okay people but, are not leaving they're not walking out that's right i yeah. realized okay <laughs> i'm not failing here yeah. that's good yeah. but i had no idea yeah that I was gripping people's hearts mm. until the end. Yeah. And and then it was mm. it was really Yeah. People weren't only standing up, they were they had tears in their eyes. Yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah. I know. And mm, and yeah. and so there are so many lessons there is that I was 
scared. Mm-hmm. I knew I was overreaching. You went out of your, out of your comfort yeah. zone. Yeah, I went out of my comfort zone. I knew mm-hmm. I was, and you got to understand mm-hmm. is is is. I learned a long time ago. I never throw anything away. I always, because it's. As yeah. an author, you know, as an author, mm. you have to kill your babies. Yeah. Mm. That's what you have to do. Mm. You have to cut out the stuff that's brilliant. Mm. I write these paragraphs. I look at it. And I go, that's that's the best paragraph that's ever been written. <laughs> 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 but if you leave it in, it ruins your work. So yeah. you have to delete it. Mm. Yeah. But I hate deleting that. I can't do it. Mm. So what I I learned this in my first book, you know, twenty five years ago, is what you do is you create a file called the cutting room floor or something like mm. that, or bits and pieces or something. I had a file called, what was it? I, I, I named it with my tongue in my chest. Yeah. I called it Advice for Young Designers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I would cut those beautiful paragraphs mm. out and paste it into Advice for Young Designers. Yeah. <laughs> that That's file awesome. is hundreds of pages long, and it's filled with this invective. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> but you have to take it out. Yeah. But So that's all the acid. Yeah. That's the bile. Because mm. there's, there's a lot of anger and frustration. And mm. slowly you distill it. It's like, it's like, it's like raw wine. Mm. It's like mm. Calvados. You know? it's, like, it's the raw shit at the bottom mm. of the barrel. Mm. And, but out of that comes something else. I've, I've, before I've said it is, is, is part of giving a good talk is clearing your throat. <laughs> you need to mm-hmm. do that before you get on stage. Yeah. So there was a lot of that because part of it was it was a, a, really a new topic, a new point of view, a new attitude, and it was a bitch. And and so I just started a new blog a few months ago, and I I said I'm going to write something once a week. And when I started working on this talk in earnest about two and a half months ago, I stopped writing for the blog. Mm-hmm. So. I've had this big woodworking project going in my shop where I've been making this sideboard with these drawers and cabinets, mm-hmm. really beautiful, made out of walnut that is harvested from a walnut tree that we cut down on the property. Oh, lovely. Wow. And I stopped work on it. Uh-huh. I've, all I've been doing for the last two and a half months is sitting in front of my computer wrestling with this freaking talk. <laughs> and, um, and, the d- and the delivering delight thing was a was a safety valve for yeah. it, you know? And uh, so, all of that sweat has been vindicated mm. by, by what happened here yesterday. And, um, and I'm just as surprised as anybody. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> go, what's Cooper gonna talk about yeah. sheep, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, but it worked. I mean, it totally, mm. totally worked. And, and in order to ha- make a talk like this, it, I knew that I couldn't just get up and talk extemporaneously because I would go down rat holes. And I, would, hmm. I, I uh, knew yeah. it had to be a written oh. piece, mm-hmm. and that's why I read it. And mm. I, I know that when you, everybody loves it when you get up and you talk, and mm. when you read, mm. there's, so, there's always somebody in the audience who goes, oh, I could, why should I come all the way to Lisbon to hear Cooper read something? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I could read it mm-hmm. on the, the web. I was a bit, yeah, I was a bit, I I wouldn't, because you started in the middle of the stage and, you know, was kind of joking with us and and warming us up, I guess, and then then walked back over to the podium. Oh, Alan's going to read this. I kind of Mm -hmm. thought, oh, this is interesting. I I have to admit, as you were saying there, even um, what ranch stories? What's this going to be? You had no idea what was coming. Yeah. Really no idea. So it, it was also, I mean, it was only 
like 10 minutes in, you were realizing, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> I mean, it, it took a while. It's <laughs> well, I mean, the and thank you. I that thank you, because because as a as a writer mm-hmm. and as a speaker, mm-hmm. what what you get to do is you get to tell a story. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love to tell mm-hmm. a story. I love to say, come on this trip with me. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is I, um, y- you know, people who say, what should we do? Mm. As their way of saying, here's what I want to do. It's, it's very frustrating the, to me. The loaded statement, loaded yeah, question, yeah. Yeah, and um, <coughs> so what I, what I love is when somebody takes me on a journey, mm. and um, and so and that was the idea behind yeah. this. Is I want to say, well, let me tell you about my neighbor, and let me mm-hmm. tell you about this young girl who's been a farmer on the mm. property, and let me tell you about this guy who takes care of the sheep, with the idea that that slowly the image will form in your mm. head. That's mm. the image that's formed in my head. So yeah. you, you, you not only, I, I, instead of me coming to you and saying, here's what I know, mm. I come to you and say, let me show you, let me take you down mm. the, pa- the same path of learning mm. that I've been down. Yeah, yeah we, we had to relive in part, in brief, the, the past five years yeah. when you've been building up um, Monkey Ranch. Exactly, exactly. And, mm. um, and so thank you. You know that that worked. Mm-hmm. You know because that's. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll tweak this talk. I mean, there, I think there are places where I can make it stronger, and places where I can, I can, I can tune it, fine tune it. But, but the the idea is that that um, that as as I started to say is 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 there's so much wisdom that comes from comparing these completely disparate fields is is when you look at one field through the lens mm. of another field there's there's so much to be learned mm. and um, and it's so interesting to to go out into the country I mean my neighbors you know like Mark uh, has up until about four or five months ago when I helped to hook him up with my internet provider, he had dial-up connectivity only. Mm. And his mm. email address is Mark and Cindy, mm-hmm. you know, because he shares an email account with his wife. Mm-hmm. So he's just, th- these are not connected people. Yeah, they're at the beginning of the digital journey. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And, mm. and um, they're just, their, their value system is so different but you know it's really interesting monkey ranch after after escrow closed and we owned monkey ranch the the real estate agent said that he had shown our ranch to several buyers from the city and there's a road that goes right through the middle of it. It's a dirt road, mm-hmm. and it leaves the the county road, the paved road, and <coughs> and it runs. Oh, it's like about a thousand meters across the property, and then it makes a right hand turn and it goes for another probably five thousand meters down that way. And there's there's uh, three ranches, and 
eight families who live on that road. So those eight families and all of their deliveries and business associates and del you know their and their farms. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the deliveries are a giant truck full of shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and they have to go across yeah. our road, yeah. and that road runs right in front of our house. Mm -hmm. And the real estate agent said, as soon as the people from the city saw that, th they said, why are there people on my driveway? Mm -hmm. And the agents had to explain. Well, oh. it's, it's they have an easement. They, they have the right to drive on this road to get to their property. Mm -hmm. Said, I'm not interested. I don't want these people driving on my property. So mm -hmm. when I heard that there was an easement and mm -hmm. there were people had to drive on mm -hmm. it, I said, this is great. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a hermit. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to move to the country to an isolated house mm -hmm. and then live all alone and breathe my own exhaust. Mm -hmm. You're not going to build those kind of giant brick walls around your, you Exactly, know. Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, they have an easement to drive on my property. Mm -hmm. It's my property. They have a legal right to drive mm. on it, but it's mine, mm -hmm. okay? So it, I said, I get to walk out into the middle of the road <laughs> and stand there and stop them, <laughs> and they have to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and they did. Yeah. And that's how I got to know my neighbors. You can see these delivery guys, yeah. and they, kind of, they pull out the schedule for the day, and it kind of sounds like it goes, you know, whatever ranch down yeah. here. Oh, oh shit, no, no we've got to drive through. Monkey, <laughs> round Cooper's going to be Cooper's standing gonna be there. Yeah. No, I, I'm going to. I'm going to call in sick. Well, it, <laughs> it got it, it, it got to that point because because my neighbors <laughs> they they go, I I need to get to work, and I'm still saying. So, well, what do you think about the weather, and what yeah. about these sheep, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and so it's funny, you know, they got to know that Alan would happily spend an hour standing there talking with them, and mm. one of the guys is um, he he lives directly opposite the county road from us. And he's got a big ranch and a bunch of cows. And every day he goes back and forth between his property and, and between his where he lives and his property where his cattle mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. So early in the morning he goes by on a little four-wheel uh, yeah. cycle. And, um, and he goes by and he just takes his rounds. He looks to see mm -hmm. if there are any sick cows. Do they need any food? Do they need any water? Is anything broken? It's a ranch. You never know what's wrong. Is a fence down or something? And then he goes back, and then he comes back in his pickup truck. Only this time he's got some bales of hay in the back, or he's got some tools, whatever he needs. And he comes back, and he works, and then he goes back. And then later on, he'll come by, and he's got all these different vehicles, because all these ranchers have different mm. vehicles. And he'll, he'll go by in a different truck. He goes to pick up some eggs or something. And, and, but he always, I told him the other day, I said, you know, you always go by an even number of times. You always go eight <laughs> or ten times a day, never seven or nine. <laughs> <laughs> He laughed. He hadn't thought of that. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of crazy stuff we talk about. <laughs> so yeah, and so you know, so we um, we uh, do these things we call monkey movies. I've uh, we, we took one of the big barns and and the one and we converted it into a big workshop for me. Well, it's mm -hmm. also I have so all the woodworking tools are on wheels, so I can roll them off to one side mm -hmm. and. Uh, and I, I push a little button and a movie screen comes down. I have a projector bolted to the ceiling. Oh, and then I have a bunch of couches. Everything's on wheels. Yeah. So I have mm. some 
big soft couches on wheels. We roll them out in the middle of the floor, and I pop popcorn, mm -hmm. and uh, and we we sit there with mm -hmm. beer and popcorn and watch movies on Friday nights. Oh, fantastic! And mm. we call them monkey movies. <laughs> monkey movies. <laughs> and so the neighbors <laughs> come over. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I have no idea why I'm talking about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, but, but you mentioned in your talk there you you didn't want to point at an enemy, but. Uh, in my mind, sort of, the, the enemy is ourselves. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that was th what I took from your talk was that it is my responsibility to be the change that I want to see happen. It, it has to be. I mean, yeah. that's the point. Is yeah. that, is it, you, see, you see, here's the conundrum. Corporations are not human. Corporation and yet corporations are entities. They're autonomous entities. They're they're things that can steer themselves, but they're not humans. And what happens is we make a mistake of 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 interpolating an autonomous thing as a human thing. You know, it's a it's an anthropomorphization. And and so what we do is we go, oh, the corporation is made of people, therefore the corporation will take care of the people. Mm. But it won't. And so if you, you know, what is a, there are human beings who have no conscience. Mm. They're called sociopaths. Mm. They'll kill you and they won't care. Mm. Okay? They're, they're damaged, bad people. And what we do is we protect ourselves as a society against sociopaths because they're the worst kind of a person. They're the kind of a person who has no internal restraint. That's the definition of a corporation. It's an autonomous entity like a human, but it has no conscience. It has no internal restraint. <clears throat> so it's the worst kind of a being. It's something that in a human we would protect ourselves against. But the problem is, is that what we do is we elevate these corporations. Mm -hmm. We give them more power. We, we say, go ahead, choose the direction we're going to go. And the direction that they want to go is to get all the stuff that's good for them and screw everybody else. So there in a civil society, if you're going to allow corporations to exist, you have to have counterbalancing regulation. You have, to have, you have to have collective restraints on the behavior of corporations. Now, I, you know, I grew up in the United States in the 60s and the 70s, and so it never occurred to me that this was the case because there was a lot of regulation. And 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 it kept the corporations in check, and 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 unions were reasonably strong, and so it seemed like it was um, it seemed like like the balance was kind of the natural order of things. I didn't, you know, this is how humans think: is what is is normal, and it was balanced, and so I thought that was normal. Mm. I, you know, I was one of the guys who who just like so many. People of my age, I'm a baby boomer, uh, you know, kind of went, well, we can, we can relieve these protections. They're not needed. 
you know. I mean, I wasn't proactively removing the protections, but I was, I, I saw Ronald Reagan and George Bush and George Bush and said, you know, what's the harm there? Um, the harm has become very clear. So Alan's talk was really not what anyone was expecting. It was not even what anyone was asking for. But obviously, it was what everyone wanted. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way of, yeah. of, of describing that. So Alan actually did manage to, in the end, put something out there that was, well, as, as you mentioned in, in our intro, it was, we got a standing ovation, or he got a standing ovation for minutes. Uh, it was fantastic. And afterwards, we actually we talked to, to Sue, his wife. Yeah, we went up to, to Susan, actually to book the time to, um, to do the to, interview. To do the interview <laughs> the day after. Um, but Susan, she, Sue was saying to us that, I mean, he's put three or four months of work into this mm. speech, and a lot of iterations, as Alan mentioned in our first part of the interview. Mm. But what she told us was, he basically said that if this didn't go down well, he wasn't going to speak again. Yeah. This was the this was the the speech. There was a lot running on this speech. Yeah. <laughs> and he he iterated it so much. Yeah. And and this was this was do or die. Yeah. And 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 she said she was just so pleased for Alan mm. that we did all stand up and applaud like that. Mm. That this had actually this had hit a nerve. It, it touched us mm. and and made us refl- reflect on what mm. we were doing. It was the story he wanted it to be. Yeah. Coming up in part two of our interview with Alan Cooper, um, Alan digs deeper into that question of, of you know what happens or the, the problem of a lack of control mechanisms. Um, and we also get into deeper into capitalism, entrepreneurship, and the role of philanthropy. Yeah. Um, and as he said on Twitter, this is where he gets to spill his guts. He does. <laughs> Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.